You're listening to Review Season. This is Herds bringing you the sixth place for this year, just shy of the premium top five. We have placed the fantastically wacky The Crooked Hinge by John Dixon Carr. We have been looking for an excuse to include the tomes of Carr on the show for some time now. And when we heard that ambitious friend of the show, Brad Friedman of Our Sweet Mystery, was keen to chat about it, we jumped at the chance. The Hinge represents a unique facet of the death of the reader lexicon and being a novel which outwardly claims to be about the clash between mystery and magic, one which Flex and I had struggled against since the beginning of time itself. Carr penned this story as part of his Gideon Fell series, though Gideon is not allowed proper access to the crime scene until well after the requisite murder even occurs. It is a classic locked room style murder mystery with a mansion, many different maze-like rooms that can be mapped out and sight lines of the characters established, along with a quirky cast to fill out this mansion and sight one another as needed. The central conflict and supposed motive for the murder involves two John Farnleys, both of whom claim religiously to be the real John Farnley, which is, of course, an impossible contradiction. It's a fun play on the traditional twin trope of murder mystery, where rather than having a second Farnley pop up out of the woodwork miraculously at the end of the novel to explain everything. We are instead produced two Farnleys that look nothing like twins, but who both seem to have an equally twin-like claim to the name of John Farnley. And this is the pretext of the novel, as an investigation unfolds that will yield light on the matter, exposing the true Farnley to all and casting the fake one into disgrace. The one Farnley has been dwelling in the estate of their family for years, though admittedly seems nervous when the nature of their identity is called into question. The other Farnley has a pretty wild story, implicating that the two of them had been on the real actual Titanic together when it went down, survived, uh, and that the real Farnley had had their identity taken over by the fake. The intrigue, of course, comes from whether this convincing newcomer really is telling everything exactly as he says, or perhaps everything that comes out of his mouth is a well-prepared lie. With this debate splitting readers down the middle, it also splits the cast. Which of these characters might support which of the Farleys? Which is secretly doing whom's bidding? None of it is clear. And just as we were about to perform the early 20th century equivalent of a DNA test, the evidence is stolen and one Farley is slaughtered in broad daylight in front of everyone right in the middle of the courtyard. It's bold. It's cunning. It's so very car. What follows after a dense opening is a deep dive into impossible crimes and the mystical nature of the world itself. Black books of magic are discovered. An automaton attempts to slaughter a housemaid. As day turns to night and the shadows grow longer, it is no longer clear what is real and what is magical. An offhand comment about a circus performance primes the reader's brain to accept anything and everything, whether you believe there is a rational explanation or not. At a certain point, you're just along for the ride as much as the characters are. That is, if not for Dr. Fell. Dr. Gideon Fell is an imposing figure, keen to engage in a battle of great wits to any he may come across. He operates on his own whims and is akin to a boulder rampaging down a tight corridor. He's going to catch up with the truth, it's just a matter of when. The mystery to this story is devilishly laid out, and clues which might be hidden in the last place a reader would suspect. What I really admired about this text was how Carr was able to keep the action thrumming along while still injecting hints in the form of metaphor and symbology. There is a logic behind everything that's placed here, 
and not one sentence is wasteful. This philosophy extends to the broader cast, as though Fell is our detective, he is not our protagonist. That honor goes to an impressionable young Brian Page, who is swept up in the business of telling the families apart as a witness rather than as active participant. But it soon becomes apparent that by setting foot within the Farnley conspiracy, he has exposed himself to the threats and machinations of such figures as Knowles, the family butler, who continues to insist that he has excellent eyesight, despite seeing basically nothing, or Mr. Welkin, a vampiric, crotchety old man who is determined to fight tooth and nail for the claimant Farnley. It's Kenneth Murray, the one man who reckons he can tell the two apart and who knows everything, though he seems to be holding something quite close to his chest as he goes about his investigation. Even in this argument where it should be obvious to someone who has known Farnley his whole life, which is the real one, there is doubt and darkness that shrouds the whole tale, just as it shrouds the whole blasted estate. I would really recommend that you read John Dixon Carr's The Crooked Hinge if you're looking for a brain scratcher of a puzzle. It is an older text, first penned in 1938, but its impeccable sense of place and use of extraordinary elements which keep you enthralled in its spell from beginning to end. Its mystery is fair, while still looking to pull out the legs from under you at any opportunity, and its intricacies could easily make it your favorite murder mystery of all time. You're listening to Death of the Reader. This has been Herds, reviewing The Crooked Hinge by John Dixon Carr. Let us know at Flex and Herds what your top 10 or 20 or more murder mystery novels of this year looks like. We'd love to know. You're listening to 2SCR 107.3.